Hey, you're listening to City Lift Church's podcast. We hope today's message fuels you with courage for your journey. Here's today's message. Well, I'm excited to be here. Pastor Matt, aren't you just amazing? If you don't like... <laughs> Let's try that again. Come on, anyone grateful for your pastors? They're exceptionally stunning people. If I wasn't a planting a church, I'd come to this church. You are, honestly, you two are really exceptional. Uh, when we first came into South Florida, uh, I remember there was a pastor's gathering. A friend actually texted me and said, let's go to, um, to lunch. And, and actually, it was, it was Pastor Matt, and he had a gathering of these different pastors from all around the city. And I'm like, oh, you know, who's this guy who's gathering pastors and really wants to see this beautiful uni- unity? And I, I'd never met him before, so we had a chance to meet. And I was like, oh, he's a good-looking brother. It's like Stephen Furtick has a younger brother, good-looking guy, full of the word. But what I really loved about that gathering, I sat there and I thought, there is such an anointing and such a weight of God that you carry. And I thought, man, it's so special to see that different leaders would gather around you. And what I felt even that time, I never said to you, but your words are worth listening to. Your words carry a weight. And I felt that your words were like keys that unlocked things in people's life. And I really believe that you, yeah, come on. And I really believe that both of you guys are definitely leaders worth following. You're in an exceptional church. Uh, This is a great church because I believe that your pastors have prophesied over you as a people what God wants to do, what God will do, and what God is about to do. And that is about to lift you guys. That city lift will be a church that lifts the city. I believe that God's about to elevate you guys as a couple, elevate the influence that you guys have within the city. And each person in here, whatever sphere of influence that you occupy, whether it's real estate, whether it's creative, whether, uh, wherever you work, that God's about to elevate you for three reasons. That he wants to elevate you so that you have foresight to see what's coming up. Because what you see coming up, then you'll be able to plan and strategize that you'll be able to walk into the purposes and promises of God, not just for yourself, but lead other people. I believe that God's going to give you foresight, insight, and hindsight. The foresight is so you see what's coming. The insight is so that God's going to allow you to see what's happening. It's almost like the GPS system, that you want to locate where you are and also where you're going. Otherwise, you're like me here in Miami, you're getting lost and people are giving you the wave, but it's not that sort of wave. Hello. But I believe that God's also going to give you hindsight because when you can see clearly what's happened, you're able to break chains off people's life so they can actually break free from what's holding them back so they can walk into their purposes and promises. I believe that God's about to elevate you in such a way that when you speak, your words speak into darkness and bring light. Your words speak to mountains and mountains move so that people can walk into the purposes and promises that God has for their life. Now, are you grateful for your pastors this morning? You truly are anointed. Well, I'm grateful to be here. I'm glad that God is here. We have uh, worshipped and we've welcomed Him. It was great worship this morning. And uh, Pastor Matt has asked me to speak to you this morning as we continue this series called Unsinkable. And he's asked me to speak to you over the next four hours and 35 minutes. Isn't that the memo? I don't know why you guys find that funny. It's what he said. Let's go. Seek you over the next 35 minutes. I want to speak to you from this thought about the gospel. And the gospel is good news. I want to speak to you from the title of my message for those taking notes and for those who want to go to heaven. (laughs) I'm not sure if they're related, but let's roll with it. For those taking notes, the title of the message this morning is, the good news is that there is a better story. 
The good news is that there is a better story than we're currently living. Now, I don't know what you came here, what situation you're in this morning. You might have come here and you're living an incredible story. It's like an epic story. It reads like a bestseller. Come on, it's like a romantic comedy, ladies, and Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise has turned up and he had you at hello. Or maybe it's the guy from The Notebook, no? Oh, Emma's like, no, no, it has to be Denzel Washington, baby. Come on, now we're talking. But your story might read like it's a bestseller where it's firing on all cylinders. I mean, marriage is great. Work is great. Single life is fantastic. You know, you're whole and complete. And that's great. But who knows that if Jesus is the author of our story, that the story can always read a little bit better. It can always be a little bit greater. There's more grace that gets us to heaven. And there's more peace that brings heaven to earth. You might be on this end of the spectrum, but maybe you came here this morning and you're at the other end of the spectrum where your story is one that you didn't write and a story that you don't like. And it might feel that there's an area of your life where the devil has snatched the pen out of your hand and he's scribbled on the script of your life and he's written pain, he's written hurt, disappointment and disillusionment. And I came here this morning to tell you that the devil is not the author of your story. No, no, we serve a God who is the author of the story. And as we prophesied, as we sang this morning, he can take what the enemy meant for evil and he can turn it around for good. Come on, is there anyone grateful this morning morning, that we serve a God who is the author of our stories and where the devil has snatched the pen and tried to put a full stop in our life and put our life to a screeching halt? God turns up and says, "Uh uh-uh, you are not the author of this story. That is my child. I made them in my image. And where the devil's put a full stop, it is a comma. And there is more to the story. Come on, touch your neighbor this morning and say, there is more to the story. There is more to the story. I was going to tell you to high five your neighbor, but uh, my wife actually grew up and she was homeschooled and she did the homeschool high five. You know what that is? It's where you high five yourself because <laughs> you're the only one there. But I believe that God's writing an incredible story. And in fact, what I'm talking about, God being the author, And the good news is that there's more to the story, is that if you're not living a story, if you're living a story that you don't like, that there's an invitation this morning to step off the pages of the old story and actually step onto the pages of his incredible story for your life. And I want to give you that invitation. I believe that God's extending the invitation to step off the pages of the old story and step onto the pages of his story for your life. You know, uh, it's actually scriptural. In Hebrews 12, 2, our foundational scripture this morning, it says this. It says that we should fix our eyes, fix our focus to look upon who? Upon Jesus. Come on, talk to me. Look to Jesus, who is both the author and the finisher of our faith. You know why I love that so much? Because I love the fact that when God authors our stories, whatever God authors, he's, he's, he's obligated to finish. And I believe that God has started some dreams in each and every one of our lives here And you might be stuck in a sentence, but I believe that God wants to complete the story. Actually, while I was praying this morning, I really felt, you know, this verse uh, in Hebrews 12 too, I believe that a lot of us have been, some of us have been sitting in a confusion, that God's author in a story, and as you read that story, it feels very confusing because it doesn't look like what God has said. But I came here this morning that God actually wants to let you know that what He has started, He's going to finish. You know, anyone ever see... As I was preparing this message, I kept on seeing 11-11. Does anyone ever see 11-11 sometimes on the clock? And I seen it, and I was thinking, God, what does that mean? And I looked up, the, the number 11 actually is the number in the Bible of confusion. 
And I believe that there's been some confusion in some of our lives, and there's a lack of clarity. But I believe that this morning, God wants to take the confusion and turn it into clarity in this way. You know, Hebrews 11.11 actually says this. It says, by faith, Sarah, although she was without a child, was able to conceive a child and carry to full term. Why? Because she considered him who promised faithful to finish the story. Let me ask you, what has God promised you? What has he promised you for your church? What has he promised you for your life, for your business, for your future? And I believe that there's some, someone here this morning who actually has not been able to conceive a child. And I really felt by the Spirit of God that this morning that God's Spirit is here to anoint you to not only conceive, but to carry to full term. I believe that God is here this morning to break the barrenness, whatever has stopped you, whether the, if the barrenness is in you as a male or you as a female, but as a couple, you've been believing for something. I believe that the Spirit of God he is here, like at the beginning of creation, hovering, and He's going to speak, and He's speaking this morning that you will conceive and you will carry to full term. Come on, anyone grateful and receive that word this morning? Maybe it's not even a, a baby. Maybe it's a dream. It's a business idea that what God has promised, He is faithful to finish. Hebrews 12.2 talks about the author of creation. One more scripture and we'll keep going. Uh, in John 10.10, 10, it says this. It says that there's two stories that we can be living. We can be living a story that God authors, which is always going to be a good story. That's the good news of the gospel. But there's another story where, as I said, it feels like the, in John 10.10, 10, it says that the thief, the enemy, comes to do what? To steal. Has he stolen the pen out of your hands to try and steal your joy, kill your peace, and destroy all sense of hope. Well, this morning we serve a God who wants to rewrite your story and he wants to reroute your destiny to walk into all that he has promised for you. Come on, the story is not over. We serve a God who is good and he wants to write a story like this to give you a rich and satisfying life. In the old King James Version, it says that I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Those two things. That is both an epic story and an eternal story. Come on, he wants to write your name in the book of life, but he also wants to write life in your book while you are here on earth. And I want to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ, where he wants to write an eternal story and an epic story, not only in you, but he wants to write it through you in your job, in your relationship. God is the God of a turnaround. It doesn't matter where you are, where you have been, you can step off the pages of the old story that you don't like, step off the pages of the story that you didn't write, and step on a God's incredible story for your life. Anyone ready to step onto the pages of God's story for your life this morning? If you are, just give me 32 point something seconds of praise. Get alive. God is good this morning. So I want you to help me preach this this morning, not just with clapping and shouting back, but what I want you to do is ask the Holy Spirit. I want to outline this morning the four chapters of the story that God wants to write in you and through you. Because the good news, many people think they, the good news is just that I get saved and it's a leap of faith and I've arrived. But I found in my Christian journey in my 38 years, I know you thought I was 25, for my 38 years, that the good news in the Christian faith, and it's, it's more a walk of faith. Not, not, not a leap of faith, but it's more like lunges. Come on. It's, it's a series of steps that walk us into the purposes and promises of God. And why this message? Because I believe a lot of us get saved and we think, wow, I've arrived and that's it. And we're not experiencing the fullness of what God has promised us. 
But this morning, as I outline these four chapters, I want you to ask God two questions. And please write these down. The two questions I want you to answer by the end of this message is one, what chapter of his story am I currently in? What chapter of his story am I currently in? And then the most important part is, do I need to turn the page and step onto a new chapter of your story, God? Do I need to turn the page and step onto a new chapter of your story? So as you answer those questions, as I outline the four chapters of the good news of Jesus Christ, let's just pray. Father, I thank you that you're already here because we have worshipped you. I thank you, God, that we can welcome you to lift us up in the heavenly places where your presence is. But this morning, I thank you that the good news is that the presence of God has come down to us, your people, and you give us power and you give us the authority we need to walk into the purpose of God. And we believe this and receive this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, look, just by way of introduction, because I can see some of you, although Pastor Matt did introduce me, looking at me like, I mean, he looks black. (laughs) But this brother sounds so white. (laughs) Well, there is a reason for that. I was actually born of Jamaican parents. Anyone from Jamaica? (laughs) She almost put a hand up. You would like to be to Jamaica. Come on. Nobody from Jamaica. This is a great start. Born of Jamaican parents, but I was actually born in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, My dad was actually uh, living in Jamaica, and when he was studying, with Jamaica being part of the Commonwealth, of the British Commonwealth, they could get scholarships to move from Jamaica to any first world country like Australia. And so my dad received one of these scholarships, and my, uh, he, my mom and him, they moved to Australia, and that's where my sister and I were born, and we left Australia when I was three months old. Uh, after leaving Australia, we moved to Jamaica, where we lived for six years in beautiful Jamaica. After that, for six years, we moved uh, here, actually, to South Florida, and we lived in Miami for two years. Uh, after that, we moved all the way back to Australia, and it was fun. We lived in so many different places. We moved. Uh, it was good, because who knows variety is the spice of life? Come on, it totally is. That's what I just told myself, so I wasn't scarred by my childhood. We lived in a place called Brisbane, then moved to Sydney, a place called Daniloquin. You would never have heard of that because uh, we were the only black family. So needless to say, I was a standout. <laughs> then after living in Daniloquin, we moved to a place called Wagga Wagga. So good they had to name it twice, Wagga Wagga. After that, I moved to Sydney uh, where I studied. And actually, that's where I met my beautiful, stunning bride, Miss Emma Mullings. Come on. I am blessed. Come on, man. You can't say woohoo. That's, my, that's just for me. Uh, yes, actually, let's put a picture of my family. How remiss of me. There is my beautiful family, uh, my wife, Emma Louise Mullings, who is my Angelina Jolie lookalike, with the heart of Mother Teresa and the wisdom of Joyce Meyer. Come on, baby. I scored. I scored. See, I'm blessed, and uh, we have four beautiful children. There they are, four children, not because I like kids, but because I like my wife. Hello, somebody. That's another message in another series for another day. But yes, we moved here, as Pastor Matt said, from Sydney, Australia, because we felt the call that we, you know, to help people live out their part in his story, to step off the pages of the pain and to step onto his story. And uh, we're doing that not alone with the whole family. That's Hosanna Emma Grace. Uh, she's 10 years old. Jeremiah Maxwell, he's nine. Uh, Hosanna, uh, is, oh man, I forget their names. There's so many of them. There's Easy, who's two, and Kingston, who's one. Come on, our life has been, you know what our life is like with four kids? Everyone's got four kids? I'll tell you what it's like. It's, some, it's like someone is preparing a meal, taking the meal, put it in a blender, 
turned it on and just left the lid off. It's like, whoa, what's going on? It's lots of fun, but it's exciting, and we're pumped to be here. I only show you the picture of my family because they say that people listen to you 38% more when you show them a picture of your family. So there you go. I'm not sure if that's true, but let's roll with this. So as we continue, a little bit about my story. So I met my wife, and then we got married, and now we are here in South Florida. And it's been great, you know, growing up in all the different places that we've lived. Uh, living in Australia was cool, uh, being the black guy from Jamaica, because it was at the time when movies like Cool Runnings came out, and Usain Bolt was like the fastest man in the world. Uh, growing up in Jamaica, it was fun as well, because, you know, when you move to a new country, when you travel there, you can tell people a nickname, and they'll just believe you. So I told people, uh, mate, my name is Terrence and I'm the thunder from down under. (laughs) I still tell my wife she has to call me that and she won't. Pray for her. Thunder is my name, sweetheart. It was interesting growing up here in America because they'd look at me like some of you are still looking at me like, what? A black guy from Australia? Oh, it's an Aborigine. (laughs) Which are my people, but not. You know, it was fun growing up and it was fun being different in all these different places and it was fun being unique. But there did come a point in my life where I did have to ask God, why is it that I'm always different? Why is it that I don't seem to fully fit in? And I know some of us here this morning might be living a story where we feel like we don't fit. Why is it that, you know, whether it's my gender, my race, my age, culture, ethnicity, socioeconomics, there's something about me that I just can't seem to fit in with the purpose and the plan of God. My story does not read the way I'd like it to. And you know, I had moments in my life where I just didn't feel like I fit, and I had to go to God and say, God, help me understand my story. And you know, God took me to the life of Moses. Now, a lot of you would know the story of Moses. Moses was this young boy who was an Israelite, and he grew up at a time when his people, the Israelites, were actually being enslaved by the Egyptians. Now, when Moses was born, the leader of the Egyptians at the time was this guy named Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh was this very totalitarian, legalistic ruler who was enslaving the people, the Israelites, because he was using them for his slave labor to build monuments and cities unto himself. And Pharaoh heard that there was going to be a young boy who was going to be born out of the Israelite people that was going to be born, rise up, and emancipate the people and steal the kingdom from him. And so Pharaoh puts out this edict to kill every child under the age of two. And this is the predicament that Moses was born into. And even as I'm saying that, I'm thinking that some of you, even as a church city lift, you're under the age of two. And the reason that sometimes you feel like it's a grind and sometimes life feels like it's hard with the purpose that God has for you and the dream is because what is happening right now is the same thing that has happened for centuries. You're in the juvenile, you're in the embryonic stages of a dream and the devil has seen the script. He has seen how the story ends and so he's trying everything he can to destroy your story, to steal and to kill and destroy because he knows how the story ends. He knows that we have the victory He knows that we win, so he tries to take this out in embryonic form. But is there anyone grateful this morning that we serve a God who is the author and he can take what the enemy and for evil and turn it around for good? Come on this morning. Anybody grateful for that? That we serve a God who couldn't, when when the devil tried to take out Moses, he couldn't win. When the devil tried to take out Jesus at before two years old, he couldn't win. And Jesus rose again and he is seated in heavenly places. And I believe that the attack is a sign you're on track. The sign of the attack is a sign you're on track. Don't give up. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. The devil will try and take you out in these early stages because he knows that you're going to grow up to be the deliverer of a nation.
And I love looking at the story of Moses. Moses, this young boy, he's floating. His mother hears this. And the Bible says that Moses' mother hides him until she could hide him no longer. And so if you read in Hebrews and read in Exodus the story, it says she hid him until he was three months old. You know, what I love about that is that it's not just about reading the Bible. It's about allowing the Bible to read you. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, when you allow the Bible to read you, it speaks to the very specifics of your situation. It speaks to the very continuity of the call of God upon your life. Because as I'm reading this story now and I'm allowing it to read me, you know, Moses had to leave when he was three months old. How old was I when I had to leave Australia? Three months. So immediately God's got my attention. And so the Bible in the story of Moses talks about how he was floating down the river Nile in the very place that was where Pharaoh was taking the babies under the age of two and throwing them in to kill them. And he floats past the crocodiles and he floats past the eels and the hippopotamus and little Nemo. Hey, Nemo. <laughs> that was funnier in my head when I thought about it. <laughs> so he floats past. It must have been an Australian river because so many things that can kill him. But I thought as I was reading this story, I never noticed something. I want to ask you, Moses, Moses is three months old, is floating down the river Nile in the very place where Pharaoh, the enemy, is destroying babies and killing them. But I want to ask you, who put Moses in the river? It wasn't Pharaoh. It was actually his mother who loved him. And what a picture of our lives where we can actually be living out a part of our story and be in a chapter of our lives and be questioning God. Are you authoring this? Can you, can you see what's going on in my life? Are you authoring this story? Why would they abandon me if you're authoring this story? Why would he not choose me? Why, why would I not be loved? Why would I not get that job? You know, I found myself in a chapter of that story just as we moved here from, from Australia. Six weeks later, I get a text, a text from my dad saying, Mom's no longer here. Mom's no longer here. That was dad telling me that mom died unexpectedly. And that hit me like a weight and a ton of bricks. Like, you, you don't see, you can't prepare for that sort of stuff, for someone dying. And, and I'm looking, I'm feeling I'm in this part of my story. I'm like, God, what is going on? You called us here. Why is it, what's going down? I mean, I had to, we didn't have, we only had enough money to move here. I had to go back for the funeral. I couldn't even bring my family. We couldn't afford to bring uh, everyone back to Australia, let alone did we want to take those two babies screaming on the plane again. But you look at a chapter of your story, and, and God showed me so clearly, because as you watch the story of, through the story of Moses, what brought me so much joy is that what looks like on the surface the devil trying to destroy you could very well be God trying to deliver you into your destiny. Look at this, because Moses floats down the river Nile, and he's found by Pharaoh's daughter. Now, Pharaoh's daughter now raises him now trains him, now educates him so that he can rise up one day, grow up to steal the kingdom, to steal the throne and set God's people free. I don't know what part of your story you're in currently right now, but I'm telling you, if it looks like on the surface the devil trying to destroy you, it could be God trying to deliver you into the destiny and the destination that he has for you. Don't give up on your story. Don't give up on God because he's faithful to finish what he has started. And he's started a good work in you. What has he promised you? He will see it through to completion. Because you look at the story of Moses, he now ends up in Pharaoh's palace. And now he's in Pharaoh's palace. But someday he looks back and he looks at his people. He goes to visit them, the Bible says. 
And he sees that one of the Egyptian slave masters is beating his fellow people. And he realizes there's, oh, no, this isn't right. There's a sense of injustice here. He starts to discover, hang on, there's more in me. I've got a call in me to make a difference. And so Moses, though, takes the pen out of God's hands and he starts to write his own story. And he says, no, no, I, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to fix this my way. And so the Bible says when he sees the Egyptian beating the Israelite, he kills him and goes to the defense of the Israelite, which is a big mistake. Because now Moses has to retreat to the backside of the desert to this place called Midian. And we know he doesn't fit in Midian either. How do we know that? Well, because he has a baby and he calls him Gershom. <laughs> now, first mistake there is calling your kid Gershom. Now, we've got four children and Gershom was never on the baby name list. And the reason for that is the name Gershom actually means I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Why is it that Moses couldn't seem to fit in anywhere? He couldn't fit in over here. He declares that he's a foreigner in Midian. He certainly couldn't fit in with the Israelites because he grew up in the privilege of the palace. So because he grew up in the privilege of the palace, what would he know about their struggles? And come on, the struggle's real. At the same time, he couldn't fit in over here. His story just did not make sense over here either. Why? Because over here, he was a slave by birth and blood, so he was never fully accepted. They were his people, but even though he was raised here. And you look at the life of Moses, Moses' story never made sense until he reconnects with the author of his story. You realize Moses, when he was back in Midian, had this burning bush moment where he goes and he connects with the author of creation. And God reminds him, Moses, when you tried to write your own story as a defender of a person, you messed it up. Have you ever messed up your story, made a big mistake? Can I just tell you there is hope for you today? God can rewrite your story. He can reroute your destiny and take you from being off track to being on track. Because Moses has this burning bush moment with God and God reminds him, Moses, no, no, you've got to remember, I'm the one who called you. And so no one can take you out of my call. I'm the one who's connected you with my spirit. And so nothing is impossible for you. I'm the one who has consecrated you for a higher purpose. And now I want to recommission you back into God to Egypt to set my people free. Here's the point. If you're in a part of your story where you feel like you've gotten off track, God can rewrite your story. Because when Moses tried to write his own story and go to the defense of the Israelite, he thought he was just a defender of a person. But once he connects with God, the author of his story, he realizes that he's not just a defender of a person, he's a deliverer of a nation. And maybe this Sunday morning right here at 11 a.m. at City Lift Church is your burning bush moment where you can reconnect with the author of creation and hear the good news of the story that the story is not over. There is more to the story. And right now I want to quickly outline the four chapters of the story real quick. And I want you to find, ask God, where in your story am I? You know, for, for the four chapters are this. The first chapter of your story is where God actually invites you off the pages of the old to step onto his story, and that's where he discovers you. He'll discover you, he'll develop you, he'll define you, and then he'll deploy you. Moses was discovered in the River Nile. You know, God will discover you in the very mo most destitute of places. He will find you no matter where you are. And you might have come here this morning thinking it's by accident, but I'm telling you, God has been calling and drawing you near. And like Moses, once he discovers you, he doesn't leave you there. He then develops you. 
He'll develop you sometimes like Moses in Egypt where someone else is paying for your education, but you feel like you're still behind enemy lines. Anyone ever felt like they're behind enemy lines? God, this is tough. I don't like what's going on here. It looks like it should be good, but it's not good. You know, God will develop you in a place where sometimes you feel like you don't fit. Once he develops you, he'll start to define you. God will define you. You'll have a defining moment like the burning bush moment. Is God defining you currently? Or maybe you're at the place where you've been defined, you know who you are, you've been to the DNA class here at City Lift, you understand your God's story, the story of this church, and what God has placed inside of you. Like Moses realized, I'm not just a defender, I'm a deliverer. When I speak, people listen. When I speak, the oceans part, and you walk into what God has to be. Or maybe he's deploying you. You know, these four chapters are seen through the whole Bible. This is the good news of the gospel, that God will call you from where you are to where he is. You know, as you look at the story, just quickly, I love this illustration. You know, when Jesus calls the disciples, you know, he says to them 11 words, and they would leave everything. They left their income as fishermen, their inheritance for the boats and the family business, the influence and their identity on just 11 words. And I believe those 11 words contain the four chapters, just like Moses' story, that God wants to write in you and write through you so you can live a better story. And the four chapters are the same. The first step is where God says to come. And as I'm saying this, I just want you to look at me. Just Don't click out now. This is where the Holy Spirit is about to help you locate where you are so you can move through the chapters of the pain, you can move through the chapters of disappointment, actually step into all that He has for you. Because some of us are stuck and given up on God, but when you realize it's not just a leap of faith, but a Caesar lunges, you can take another lunge. Come on, get those glutes, get those buns, ladies, let's go. Take those steps. So the first chapter is where He calls you. He says, come, come. That's why when, when the 11 words come... Chapter 2, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. In those 11 words of the four chapters of the story that God wants to walk us, us all through. You see it in Moses' life, you see it in the disciples' life. You know, the Father is always calling. Can I just say that? The Father is always what? Calling. Yes, calling. He's calling you and me to come close. You know, uh, remember I told you I grew up with Jamaican parents? Well, I grew up with a Jamaican father, and I am convinced that Jamaican parents, maybe some African-American parents and Hispanic parents have children for only one reason, and that's slave labor. (laughs) And let me tell you why. Because I grew up with my Jamaican father in Wagga Wagga where we lived. We were blessed to have a three-story house. And my father would sit upstairs at the top level. I would be downstairs, and he would yell, Terrence, Terrence, come here. And I think there's an emergency, so I run to go see what my father's doing. You know what he's doing? He's sitting on his bed, and he, ah, he's calling me because he wants me to pass his slippers, which are two steps away. Really, Dad? So I remember one day he was calling me, and I was downstairs. And I'm, I'm a muso, so I like to do some music. Not as good as Will and the worship team, but I, you know, I, got, I got some chops. And I was downstairs writing some music. I had my headphones on. And the only reason I know my father was calling me is because he comes downstairs and he knocks the headphones off my ears and says, I was calling you. I said, sorry, Dad, I didn't hear you. He says, even if you not hear me, you must answer me. <laughs> really, Dad? I said, no, honestly, Dad, can you just be patient? I'll just be a second. 
you click your fingers at me. You guys had the same father, obviously. You click your fingers at me, your father. Listen, boy, I brought you into this world, and, and I can take you out. But wait, then me and your mother will make another one that looks just like you, and nobody would know. Savage parenting, savage parenting. Come on, it might be a slight exaggeration of how it went down, but it's close to the truth. Come on, my father was calling me. Why didn't I answer? Because I was too busy doing something I thought was more important than answering the father's call. And I wonder how many of us are here this morning and we're so busy pursuing the dream, the call, the this or that not realizing there is a better story, one where Jesus forgives every sin, where Jesus knows us, and knows us intimately and loves us unconditionally. And I'm telling you, why does the Father call? Because where you are and where He is are two completely different places. We're in sin, He's in heaven. We're here on earth, He's in heaven. We're in darkness, He's in light. We're in death. And He wants to call us out of death and into eternal life. That's a story that God has for us. You know, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, in around six minutes, hang on, keys players, six minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to meet this Father who is calling you. The good news is no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, the Father is always calling. Will you answer the call today? If you've never answered that call, I'm going to give you an opportunity. But maybe you're in that first chapter of your story where you need to step on and find salvation. Find a great church who's going to love you and help lead you to life. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, come. But maybe you've stepped into that chapter. You've got to step into this next chapter where it doesn't just discover you, but now he starts to develop you. Come on, this development stage can be a little bit challenging. You know, let me illustrate it this way. In the development stage, that's where you start to follow Jesus. Come, follow me. Second chapter. Let me ask you, who are you following? Are you following Jesus? I'm not talking about on Instagram. But if you were following Jesus on Instagram, do you actually like his pictures? Do you actually read the comments? Because he's got so much to say to you. You know, they say in life that you are the sum total of the five closest people to you. You know, for some of us, that's a very exciting thought. For others, it's a very scary thought. You know why? Because every time you get in trouble, you're around those people. Every time you make a mistake, every time you feel discouraged about your dream, you're around those people. And I believe that this morning, maybe God is asking you to disconnect from those people so you can connect to Him and follow Him into the future and follow Him into the destiny. There is a better story. There's one of freedom. There's one of forgiveness. There's one of life. There's one of unconditional love. This is the good news. No matter what you've done, Jesus will always accept you. As you follow Him, you become like Him. Come on, let me illustrate it this way. I'm going to tell you something which is really evident. Pastor Matt knows this, that I work out. I knew you knew that. That's a joke for some people who don't know that. I actually go to the gym. Uh, Pastor Matt won't go with me, but I go to the gym with my two mates that I've met here. Uh, one is Des, the other is Troy. This is Des, this is Troy, and together they destroy. Come on, I've got four children. These dad jokes will keep coming all day, and you are welcome, somebody. Here's the thing about working out. I tell you that because I love going to the gym. Because I like to work out for this reason. A lot of people think that to build muscle, to become stronger, it's all about lifting heavy weight, grinding and lifting heavy weight. But that's actually only partly true. It's not in the lifting stage that muscle is built. Did you know that? It's actually not in the lifting 
but it's in the letting go. Because when you lift muscles, lift weights, you break the muscle fibers, but it's in the letting go stage, in the resting stage. That's where the new muscle fibers form. You form new connections. So the breaking disconnects from the old so that you can build new ones. I wonder what you need to disconnect from, who you need to disconnect from, what sin, uh, what weight, what, what, what thing you know that is not helping you. It's actually hurting you, and you know that. And God is calling you to follow him by letting go and disconnecting from the past so you can move into the future. And the Holy Spirit can do that. You can actually disconnect from that to walk in. You know, like when you, your phone is connected to an old internet connection and it's just slow? Sometimes you've got to untether from that so you can walk into what God has for you. The second chapter of your story might be difficult because God might ask you to disconnect and forgive some people who you believe are unforgivable. And I know they hurt you. And I know what they did was wrong, but you can't move forward into what God has for you, holding on to that unforgiveness. It's slowing you down. It's holding you back. And maybe your freedom today is to forgive those who are unforgivable. Maybe it's to give again, to trust God again, to give of your time to someone in need, to a church. Maybe it's to give your talent, to actually find a small group of people where you can actually take the mask off. It's mine, a connect group here. Take the mask off. And be real. That's where real life change happens. Sunday is great and inspirational, but you know, three weeks from now, you may not remember this message. But I tell you what, you will, you, you will remember is the five closest people to you who have impacted you. Real relationship happens in small groups. And I encourage you, if you don't, haven't found one, find one here at City Lift. I was with Pastor Matt, and I'm telling you, just the relationship with him is real. I can call him. We have lunch, uh, uh, breakfast a couple times, and just talk about the struggle. Talk about what's great. Talk about what's not. But freedom is going to be found as you disconnect from what is hurting and disconnect what's what will help, which is God's people. Uh, the third chapter of your story um, is this. God will say, come. Jesus says, come to the disciples. Follow me where he develops you. But then it is a defining moment. You know, like Moses had the defining moment. Uh, let me illustrate it like this. If I've got this bottle of water and, and, and I fill it up with orange juice, it's a bottle of orange juice. Awesome. If I take the orange juice and I tip it out and I fill it out with Coke, it's a bottle of, or some would say poison, either of the two. What's the point? What's inside the bottle is actually what defines the bottle. And I believe that a lot of us have actually been defining ourselves by what happened in the past, by what was done to us as a young person that made us grow up way too early. But that doesn't define you. It's not what, but who's inside you that defines you. And this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit is here with freedom, with forgiveness, with healing, and He wants to fill you. And He wants to show you who you are, that you are whole with nothing missing, nothing broken. That He's placed gifts and talents and, ins and, and abilities inside of you that the world needs. Come on, you're a walking solution to somebody. Moses was a murderer and he thought, I've got no chance in life. But God comes and He rewrites and resurrects His story and sends Him back to be a deliverer of a nation. The disciples, these ordinary men, ordinary people, God arrests them. And there's a defining moment where they discover with the Holy Spirit inside of me, I'm different and I can make a difference. So when God, he went, come follow me, I will make you. You know, they say, this is the stage. Hear me, watch this. They say 85% of Christians get stuck on this stage. We understand chapter one, which is salvation. God discovers you. We understand chapter two, which is where there's fellowship, discipleship in a small group. But a lot of us never define 
what it looks like with God inside of me, the good news now living inside of me. And I encourage you, if you've never been to DNA at this church, get into DNA. A three-week, is it three or four weeks? A three-week course that actually allows you to understand what God's story is, what our story here as a church is, but also most importantly, most importantly, what is your story? How has God wired you? How has God wired you for your work? How has He filled you so you can go and make a difference? Because once you discover that God wants to make you, that He's interested in you, that nothing is impossible for you, then you can actually go and do the final step, which is come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Once He defines you, He will then deploy you to go out to make a difference. And I believe that this morning is a commissioning service for you, where God wants to commission you if you've taken those steps, and they are sequential. You can't just read chapter 4 of the story of a book and think, oh, or, you, or like my wife, she comes in halfway through the movie and she's like, sweetheart, what happened? Oh, who's this guy? What are you? you know, you got to get in at the start. And God has given you an invitation this morning. And as you walk through the story, you're going to find that you're whole and you're complete. Nothing missing, nothing broken. But the thing is, chapter 4 is where he deploys you. He says to fishermen, I will make you fishers of men. But did you realize there are already fishermen? You see, when God deploys you, he deploys you on a higher level. He actually sends you out to the same job, to the same marriage, to the same church. And things may not be different, but now you're different. And you can make a difference on a higher level. That God wants to deploy you to take the good news of the kingdom. That no matter what your story is, if you don't like it and you didn't write it, God can rewrite your story. That there is forgiveness. It's not about you searching for God, but the Father searching for you and calling you into relationship with Him. And He can make you whole and He can make you new. You know, for me, I was working in television. You know, Emma and I actually left the television world, working in radio, quite a little, a little bit of, you know, influence we had there in Australia. And instead of just telling any old story, anyone who would pay me, you know, whether it's a, whatever ad it is, you know, I'll tell any story. But now, instead of telling any story, I'm telling his story. You know, the disciples of fishermen, I believe when he called the tax collector, he would have said, you're reconciling the books for the government. Now I want you to reconcile the book of life to make sure that no one's missing. And so this morning, simple question. What chapter of his story are you in? Are you in chapter 2 where this feels tough? I don't know what's going on, God. Why am I in this place? I don't need to be in this place. But can I just say, just stay on that treadmill a little bit longer. Just keep lifting a few more weights because God is actually developing you into the person he's created you to be. The sign of the attack is actually the sign that you're on track. Come on, but stay close and find relationship. Maybe you've done that. You're like, God, I'm ready. I've been through that. I have understand why. Now I'm, I need to step into chapter three of this story. I need to get some clarity of what you've placed inside of me. I need to do the spiritual gifts assessment and work out how you've wired me to go back into to, to the workplace and, and, and lift the city, lift how people do real estate, where they do it with integrity. And I honestly believe that there's people here who are going to be in real estate and you're going to change the industry. You're actually going to find a way for people to get houses, kingdom people to get houses that will become hope, uh, homes of healing. 
places where there's healing, hospitals where people find hope. I honestly believe that you are going to have the, the authority and the insight in how to be able to get home and get homes to other people and it's going to transform this city because people are going to come there, marriages are going to be restored. Young people are going to come and find hope, get off drugs. I believe it's going to be a place of transformation. It's going to be this church, but it's going to be your home. I believe that in the mighty name of Jesus. Anyone receive that this morning? God's going to bless you that way. Are you in this chapter of your story where you're defining what is in me? Or maybe you're good, you've walked through all those, and now today, this is your commissioning. Now I know what my, ta- what my talent looks like. I know what my treasure is, and I'm going to sow it into God's kingdom. I'm going to go out and do what He's called me to do, and like the disciples, turn the world upside down. Come on, who would say they're in chapter 3 of their story where God's defining them? They're just trying to work out, you know, what's my uniqueness? Put your hand up. Let me see. Anyone in that chapter? Awesome. Who would say, who would say they're in chapter 2 of your story where God's developing me? I'm like, oh, this is tough. I don't really understand what's going on, but I'm trusting you. Who, who's there? Awesome. Anyone in chapter four of your story where you know God's deploying you and you're going to have a conversation with your leader, conversation with those around you, where can I make a difference? Who would say they're in that chapter? Awesome. Well, you know, you can't take any of those steps until you take step one. You can't read those until you read chapter one of your story where God is inviting you like he invited the disciples to step off the page of the old and step onto the page of the new. And so, you know, the, you know how God writes a story? He writes a story with His words. When He saw the darkness, He spoke and said, let there be light. There was light. You know, the Bible says in Psalms that my tongue, listen to this, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And this morning, we can rewrite our stories and step off the old, step off the pain, step off the, all the shame that comes with it and actually step on the God's pages of His story. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Salvation is a free gift. You don't have to do anything. Like Moses, a little baby, God called him out of the waters. And I believe that God is calling you this morning. Thanks for listening to City Life Church's podcast. Subscribe now to get new episodes each and every week. If you live in or ever in the South Florida area, come visit us on Sundays at Northeast High School in Oakland Park. You can also visit our website at citylift.church and keep updated with us on Instagram by following us at citylift.church.